been sold the idea that financial independence is all about some number on your account statement, or even worse, that you don't qualify because of where you started out. That's just not true. It's not about some well-kept secret of the wealthy. It's about finding the right information and knowing how to apply it. On the Get Ready for the Future show, we're answering your questions so you can start making real financial change today. The journey to true financial independence begins right here, and it starts with you. On a mission to help people discover, protect, and share true financial independence, this is the Get Ready for the Future show. Scott Inman, along with Janet Walker, glad to have you along for the next 35 minutes answering your questions about finance. And if you've got one, you can call and or and or text them to 501-381-5228. Just send a text or leave a voicemail at that number, 501-381-5228, to in the future hear your questions on the Get Ready for the Future show. So we are getting ready to dive in. And Janet, we'll start right here. Uh, we do have a big event coming up, and we probably should talk yeah. a little bit about that. We'll probably talk about it a couple of times on the show. But um, we did our fastest four earlier today, recorded that segment, which is delivered to people's uh, email inboxes every Friday. You can also hear it on the radio version on Gen Wealth Radio. But we're talking about the economy and where we are. You know, and I think we feel a little better about yeah. where we are today because the market has rebounded. Right. But the reality is the uncertainty is really pretty much in the same spot that it was a year and a half ago. I, I would agree with the, the statement about the uncertainty for sure. And one of our advisors was sharing with us recently that um, when, when people are coming in and talking about, you know, kind of their perspective of where things are, the comment is, man, the market and just like it's it's down. But but we're, we're having a positive year. And, yes. you know, when we look at um, the opportunity that you have as a, as a listener to the Get Ready for the Future show is that we're bringing in the uh, LPL chief our financial chief economist, Jeffrey Roach, to give you the realistic picture of where things are. So I think a lot of people's perceptions compared to the reality of, of where the economy really is. I think they're in two very different places. And so if you're out there listening and you go, okay, but what's really going on? That's your opportunity to come and and get that information from Jeffrey Roach in person. This is going to be his first time to Arkansas. Uh, John and I had the opportunity to spend a little bit of time with Jeffrey uh, just this past week at Focus, which is the the annual conference that LPL holds. And so uh, he's excited about his trip to Arkansas so there are still a few seats available if you would like to join us for that. Scott, how do they how do they make that happen? Yeah, so the date is Tuesday, August 22nd. So it's coming up on us. 6.30 is the start time. We're doing it at the Chenal Event Venue. Again, it's free to attend, but because seating is limited, we need you to register ahead of time. And you can do that uh, in one of a couple of ways. You can do it online at getreadyforthefuture.com forward slash economy, or you can call... 866-653-PLAN. That's 866-653-7526 and reserve your free spot to see Jeffrey Roach, chief economist at the country's largest independent broker dealer. He's been seen on CNBC, Fox Business, U.S. News. He's been on this radio show before. Uh, so definitely a great chance to get your questions answered and sign up before uh, we reach capacity on that so we are getting close to that too so we definitely need you to reserve your seat if you're intending to go what's up with the economy find out on that date august 22nd 6 30 at the chanel event venue all right let's dive into our questions for today we start with stacy from hot springs and stacy writes 
I grew up watching my parents make bad choices with their money. I'm 42 now, and I've built some pretty good financial habits because of what I experienced as a kid. But now my parents are nearing retirement and seem to be struggling. I don't want to tank my own financial future, but I don't want to see them suffer. What should I do? Boy, very good question and a difficult one to address, Stacy. without all of the uh, information. You know, I, I circled the word suffer mm-hmm. in that, and we, mm-hmm. I think we have to walk through what does that actually mean uh, when it comes to struggling. But we're going to start with kind of a, what may seem like a, a little bit of a harsh take on this, but you've probably heard it before. Mm-hmm about the uh, analogy of the oxygen mask on the airplane, right? When they give you the, when the flight attendant gives you these uh, safety instructions before your flight is about to take off, what do they talk about with those oxygen masks? If you're traveling with a small child, they say make sure to uh, secure your own oxygen mask before trying to help others with theirs. And that's a good analogy to bring into the financial planning side. Now, I know that's really kind of difficult to think about with Stacy saying my parents may uh, struggle trying to get into retirement and I don't want to see them suffer. And that's a, that's a great compassionate take, but you want to be able to help. We're not saying don't help. Yeah. Just don't do it at the expense of what you've built personally for your financial future. And there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, the, the reason that they tell you that on the airplane is that if, if you go long enough without the proper flow of oxygen then you start thinking like it, you get goofy. It's funny. I've seen a few videos where they've done that intentionally to just see what happens. And they get, it's almost like the impact of from being drunk. I, people just get silly. And so then if you haven't taken care of yourself, then you can't in turn and, you know, go in turn and put the mask on the child. So to save both of their lives, the adult has to go first. In this situation, financially, I think it is very true. We're not saying don't help your parents. We are saying you can't help your parents to the point that it harms you because then neither one of you gets through this, you know, financially stable at all. And so uh, we would we would ask you a few questions and, and maybe ask you to ask yourself these questions. I think it's important for you to have an understanding of what your financial future looks like. And if if there is an abundance, you have more flexibility. If there's not, and I would lean more towards this because because you have said, I don't want to tank my own financial future, but I don't want to see them suffer. So I'm thinking there's not like this excess. You're probably on a reasonably good track, but not a lot of excess, which means you're really going to have to find balance and find creative ways to help them. I understand not wanting them to suffer, but we again, you can't give up your own financial stability. There, there are. I'm going to throw something out that, honestly, uh, we would have done with some of uh, the, I'll say the grandparents, so like my parents and my husband's parents, some of the grandparents we would have been fine with this and some of them we would not, but like I would ask, it would, would it be okay, would it be appropriate with your family dynamics, maybe for them even at some point to live in your home? For some people, that would destroy your family. If that's the case, don't do it. Um, but for others, it would work very well. And then you're not paying for their rent or their house payment, but they're not having to pay that either. So maybe your utilities go up a little bit, but you guys are saving a significant amount of outflow on house payments. 
Again, it's all about family dynamics first and the finances secondly in that scenario. But there's some, you know, some opportunities there for you to consider. Yeah. So when it comes to defining what suffering is there, if they're struggling uh, toward nearing retirement, there's the housing issue. I think the root cause, determining what the root cause for your parents Mm -hmm. to struggle is really important here. What's causing them to struggle? Is it they don't have enough retirement income or is it that they have uh, too many expenses that maybe they could look at reducing? Do they have some debt they need to be able to wipe out? And if they are nearing retirement, you're telling us that they're not retired yet, right? So maybe they need to work with an advisor to build a plan and maybe they need to work a little longer, right? Let's say they're 62 and they're planning to retire at 65, but what kind of difference could it make if they went ahead and worked till 70? We don't know their Mm -hmm. health uh, or anything like that as well, but a lot of times people who are nearing retirement and they think they're going to struggle, a lot of times, Janet, it turns out that they may not be struggling as much as they think they will be if they once they build a plan. Yeah, uh, Scott, we've seen that many, many times. We we had an advisor who uh, years ago he was talking to us about his his dad's financial situation, and the advisor was pretty young in the industry at that point, and uh, and his dad was diagnosed with cancer and wound up passing away before too terribly long. And as the as the young advisor got farther into the industry, he realized, he said, guys, my dad could have retired and he didn't know it. He kept working and he kept pushing and going and going and going because he came from nothing and he still defined himself as having nothing. But he had put into this 401k all these years and he had resources that would have allowed him to retire, but he just kept going. And so that that question of, you know, what could those final years have been like if he had known? And so I think it's important um, for you to to take the time individually, Stacy, and for your parents as well, to take the time and really evaluate where you are financially and maybe get some coaching to, to work through that, to meet with a financial advisor and go, where am I and what is the path forward? Again, for, for really both generations. Stacy, thanks for that question. Answering your questions on the Get Ready for the Future show today, as we do each and every week, you can call in your question and leave them in a voicemail, or you can even text them to us at 501-381-5228. You can also send an email if you'd prefer to do that. If you're not around your phone right now and you're listening, just email to show at getreadyforthefuture.com. Next up on our question list is Margaret from Jonesboro. And Margaret asks, how do I know when to take Social Security? I don't want to lose out on money if the trust fund runs out and I delayed taking it instead of going ahead and getting what I can. Using that word trust fund, that means Margaret's been on Google or she's been watching the news, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And and it's out there pretty frequently. It kind of ebbs and flows. I Mm -hmm. mean, the reality is there's a trust fund report that comes out every April. So when that comes out and it's usually some pretty dire news that comes out with it. There's a lot of headlines about the trust fund and Social Security is running out. We've addressed this before, but the first thing we should talk about here is it's been fixed before, Janet, yeah. and it will likely be fixed again. So when we say it's been fixed before, a lot of, a lot of people don't think about this, but you see proof of this on your statements. But uh, the reality is when Social Security first came out, the the full retirement age was 65 and over the years, that has been stepped up so that we've now gotten to the point where full retirement age for the youngest people, full retirement age is at 67. 
And so if they were to shift this, and we'll, we'll talk in a moment about the possibilities on that, but if they were to shift this to 69 as an example, then that extends the life of the program. But here's what I would say about this. We, we hear people talk for, you know, all, all the time. Frankly, I have been in the industry for over two decades, and for over two decades, people have said, I need to get my check before they run out of money because the trust fund is going to go broke. And it hadn't happened yet. And the reason it hasn't happened yet is that people with gray hair vote and politicians are the ones responsible for fixing this. And I believe that ultimately we get to the point, as as Winston Churchill said, that the Americans, after having exhausted all other measures, will ultimately do the right thing. And so they will fix it because they want to get reelected. They may not fix it perfectly. I don't expect that, but they will fix it in in terms of keeping it from dissolving completely. So I would encourage you, Margaret, to really look at your Social Security decision relative to your retirement plan, not relative to what the news is telling you about the future of Social Security. Yeah, and for everyone listening who's not familiar, we can go over the facts of what they're telling us in that report. And as of right now, uh, if nothing is done, and, and when we say done, we mean in law, in the legislative branch of this government, the Social Security Trust Fund is projected to run out of money in the next decade. Now, what does that mean? It does not mean that the Social Security checks stop coming. Uh, by law, they have to continue to, con- uh, to, to reach the recipients. What it does mean is there would have to be a reduction in the amount of those benefits, and it's projected to be anywhere from 20 to 25 percent that would be a cut across the board so if, if politicians do not act over the next decade yes your social security benefit would be cut no your social security benefit would not be eliminated so let's talk through over what could happen over the next decade well you've already mentioned the people with gray hair including myself are the ones that <laughs> vote right so it's not going to be politically popular for whichever party is in control of congress at that time to not do anything and let this lapse But what is also not politically popular in the meantime is to propose any changes because uh, proposing a change is not going to be an easy fix, right? There there was just a couple of weeks ago a Republican proposal in the U.S. House to raise the full retirement age to 69, and not even immediately, but over the next decade. And there was a Democratic response to that from one congressman. He said, that Republicans are attempting to renege on our sacred promise to American workers and seniors. That was Brendan Boyle, Democrat from Pennsylvania. Now, wait a minute. We're right by raising the full retirement age by two years. That's the political charged response because they're using it for political gain. And and to be fair, this would go the other way, right? right? If the Democrats had proposed a proposal to raise taxes, there would be a similar response from the Republicans. Right. It's it's absolutely divided uh, and, and a significant amount of political infighting over this. But I, w- I want people to think about why the, the just the math behind this, that benefits would be cut by 20 to 25 percent, and why that is, why uh, Social Security going broke uh, is not the same thing as an individual going broke. When an individual goes broke, there is no money left. When Social Security, uh, and again, we don't believe that it would, but uh, if Social Security were to go broke, it's different because, Scott, as we're doing this show right now, there are two people in the room with us who are off camera 
and they are two to three decades younger than you and I are. Mm-hmm. They have more working years in front of them than we do. And so when you and I get to the point where we are collecting Social Security, they are still going to be working and they are paying into the system. I have often uh, thought about the Social Security money that I pay into the system now as I'm working, going to my mom. Now, it doesn't really work that way. It's not allocated for her. I get that. But here's the point. Somebody and a whole lot of somebodies are still going to be working and paying into it. So if you have a 25% reduction, that means your your $2,000 benefit in what they're calling now a worst case scenario would go to $1,500. So it is not the absence of $2,000 completely gone. It is a reduction. But again, we still firmly believe here at GenWealth that it will be fixed before we get to a point even of reduction. Yeah, it is definitely still a foundational component for your retirement income, but it certainly won't be enough. So the idea here is to build a plan, Margaret, that really using your assets can determine what is your monthly income going to be in retirement. And that'll help you kind of understand that if the Social Security benefit fluctuates, I still know what that does to my overall income. And when it comes to how Margaret should claim, uh, Janet, that's really, you, you mentioned it earlier, let's, let's make a Social Security decision based on your situation, not the trust fund situation. Yeah, and I just think that's critical. And Margaret, I'll go beyond what's on your statement here. Your statement looks at you as an individual. It does not consider if there's any impact from household on what you could do in terms of Social Security planning. And I think this is very important for all of our listeners who have not yet claimed Social Security. Your statement is only going to show you your individual options at certain ages. It is not going to show you the strategies. And there are lots of strategies available in how you claim Social Security. So we want to think about, um, are you married? Are you divorced? And if you're divorced, how long were you married? Did you did you make it past that 10-year marker? Because then you've got some other choices available to you. Are you widowed? When do you plan to retire? And just looking at that as, again, if there is a household, if it's not just you singularly, looking at that as a holistic por- or a portion, rather, of your holistic retirement plan. It is not a decision to be made independently. It really needs to be looked at with everything else together. If you've got questions, if you're listening, uh, more questions about Social Security, when to claim, how your investments can play a role in your retirement income, uh, you can reach out and talk to a GenWealth Financial Advisor. It's easy to do it. Just call 866-653-PLAN, 866-653-7526, and that will get you in touch with Anna Olive. She's our client introductory specialist. And all she will do is to match you with an advisor, set an appointment time in an office near you, and see if uh, working with an advisor makes sense to you. That first appointment is always complimentary at GenWealth. All right, moving on. Next up, it's Christopher from Fayetteville. And Christopher writes, I'm changing jobs soon. And I realized in this process that the last two jobs I worked both had 401ks that I haven't done anything with. What are my options? And what do you recommend? And he writes in parentheses there for reference, I'm 52, and the total of the two 401ks is about $200,000. Christopher, thanks for your uh, email uh, and your question. And this is pretty common. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. There's a lot going on when somebody changes jobs, and sometimes the 401k is the last thing someone's going to think about. So we call them orphaned 
401ks if they've been out there uh, and left alone, and, and, and they can add up, and it is an opportunity to do something. So first, just strictly from an educational standpoint, Christopher, we'll tell you your four options. Sometimes people know these, sometimes people don't. But if you've left the job and you have a 401k sitting behind, and this would go with the one you're about to leave after you've left it and the one you said has been sitting back there for a while, you have four options. The first one, not a good one, cash out. We would say right off the bat that there's way more cons than there are pros uh, to that option because if you cash out your 401k, guess what? It's all taxable. And guess what, Christopher, you're 52. You're going to get a 10% penalty on top of that for an early withdrawal because you're not 59 and a half. So cashing it out is likely not a really good option. You can leave it in the old plan, which is what you've done to this point. You can roll it into a new plan. Uh, oftentimes, the new 401k you'll have, be eligible for at the new job will allow you to uh, roll the old 401k into the new plan, or you could choose to roll it to an IRA. Now, the last three choices are not taxable. Leaving it there, rolling it to the new plan, or rolling it to an IRA uh, will not be a taxable occurrence for you. So then it kind of becomes, what do I consider in, in those three choices? So let's talk about even what, what type of account you might have. Um, even within your 401k, it is becoming more and more common for us to see a mixture of pre- and post-tax dollars. So you may have the ability in, if you were to consider uh, rolling to an IRA, if you have that mixture of pre- and post-tax, then you're actually looking at rolling to two different types of IRAs, some of it going to a Roth and some of it going to a traditional IRA. Um, a lot of people haven't really thought about that because they see it on one statement and they're they're thinking it's coming from one account, so it would go to one account moving forward. But there is that need to distinguish moving forward if you go the IRA route on on how those tax how those dollars are treated tax wise. Um, going back to the other two options of either leaving it in the old plan or moving it to the new plan, what we would encourage you to think about is a few different things. Uh, one of the keys, I think, is your proximity to retirement relative to what your investment choices are. And Scott, we've seen just the the whole realm of possibilities on investment choices within the 401k. There are some that have you know fewer than a dozen choices to invest in, and there are some that have quite a few. And sometimes those that appear to have a lot, really there's just a lot of redundancy built in there. So you really want to understand what those investment choices represent to you and whether it is where you need to be now relative to your approach to retirement. Yeah, and I think another big thing, uh, we've, we've worked with some clients on these choices uh, all the time, of course, and these are some things that they tell us, quite frankly, that, that, uh, that, that they really want to think about is the consolidating of the mm-hmm. accounts, right? Mm-hmm. You just mentioned... Uh, Christopher, that you have a couple of 401ks out there. Maybe you have some other investments. Maybe this is an opportunity to bring it all under one umbrella and to be able to see it all in one place because as you begin planning for retirement, that can be a benefit to you. And then another thing I'll mention that uh, one client told me just the other day was the service uh, capability of this, right? I mean, I don't know where your 401k is, but there are a lot of big 401k companies out there or, or investment companies that offer 401ks. And well, we were told all the time by clients that they'll call an 800 number and they have to get a different person every time and they have to start over, mm-hmm, right? And so mm-hmm. the opportunity here to get it to an IRA, which you can do a self-directed IRA, it's the same place uh, as uh, many oper- many times as well. But if you were to roll it to an IRA and begin using a financial advisor that you have someone you can meet face-to-face 
and talk through your planning for retirement. I think that's something that is very valuable as well. You know, I, I heard, and I can't quote the statistics on this on the numbers. I have to, I have to check this and circle back. But um, I did hear at this conference we just attended that millennials specifically are um, seeking financial advice at a far greater rate than their parents had. And, and I know, uh, you know, Christopher's not a millennial. He's in, he's in our age range. Um, but this, this concept of seeking financial advice where previous generations really didn't, I, I think that people are beginning to, to catch on that we seek professional advice on all kinds of important things. If, if we're dealing with a legal issue, we seek out an attorney. If we're dealing with a medical issue, we seek out a doctor who can give us their professional opinions. And the reality is that the, the financial world is pretty complicated. I mean, this is what we do all day, every day. And knowing what we know from the inside, if I were from the outside looking in, I would not want to approach this without a professional coming alongside me. And like you said, Scott, it doesn't, even, even if you choose not to invest uh, maybe with that financial advisor, even seeking them out for their advice that is a possibility. I think a lot of people think that they have to place their investments with an advisor, and most people do choose to do that, but it's not a requirement. So right. even just seeking out the advice, even if it's about, Christopher, what to do with the new 401k and how to allocate the dollars inside of that plan. I mean, most people get the you know the packet when they get hired. It's like, here's your packet, fill it out and bring it back on Friday. And that's about all the, the coaching that they get on those investments. So just know that that is available to you as a resource. Yeah, And one thing we can mention, too, uh, to kind of put a bow on this conversation is if you have kind of neglected those 401ks and your 401k contributions have maybe been on autopilot for the last several years, seeing that Christopher's 52, it's a good opportunity to talk to him and everyone else who may be listening that if you're turning 50 this year or you've already turned 50 in the past, you have an opportunity to take part in catch-up contributions in those 401ks too. The, 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 maximum, uh, the, the maximum you can contribute goes up after you turn 50. So there's an opportunity if you are mm-hmm. behind on retirement or even if you're not to get more uh, pre-tax dollars into your retirement plan. And, and that can impact your match as well. So mm-hmm. I, I definitely uh, take advantage of that opportunity. All right, our final question today on the Get Ready for the Future show comes to us from Adrian in Little Rock. I'm planning to start a business within the next few years, but I want to be sure I make smart financial decisions with it. What do you recommend for a first-time entrepreneur, and how can I still be sure I'm making progress with my retirement savings as well? Adrian, thanks for the question. Boy, there's a lot in that. Uh, What kind of business are we talking about in the next few years? How close are we there? But we can definitely talk um, generally uh, about what to consider. Janet is a, a small business owner. Uh, There's certainly a lot to really, I think, take stock of on the front end, and it may not really be that much financial at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, there there really is a lot to consider. The the first thing that comes to my mind is a financial aspect of it, and that is whether or not you can get into this business uh, without any debt. Um, As an example, um, you know, when John and I started GenWealth back in 2005, uh, there was not a need to uh, acquire any debt. We didn't have to go and buy equipment and all that type of thing. And so 
we were just able to start the business and then acquire clients and, and go from there. So the business was able to pay for itself. Um, there are people who are in businesses that have to have significant equipment. And in doing that, sometimes they don't have the ability before the business is started to be able to pay for that equipment. So think about that and not just equipment, but also people. Uh, I don't know how much you're looking at in terms of your need for team members to work with you. There are a significant number across our nation of one-man businesses. And with that, you don't have the, the liability and responsibility of, of taking care of additional team members as far as making sure that the revenue is there for more people beyond you. So there's, there's a lot to consider. But start, start thinking about what kind of capital expenditures are, are going to be needed and where you're getting that from. And I would encourage you to, to keep the debt at a zero level if possible, but a, as low of a level as is reasonable if it's required in your business venture. Yeah, and I think it's a, a real big difference here is, are you starting a business on the side or are you going all in? Right. right? Because you can right. start the business on the side and you can afford to maybe not take as much risk. You know, I, I think about uh, some of the things that we're doing personally uh, in our home and, mm-hmm. and we're thinking about are we when it comes to debt right you want to be able to potentially leverage uh, the bank for more money to get that business started but if the income doesn't follow right yeah if the income yeah. doesn't follow are you comfortable servicing that debt uh, on your own from your own cash flow and I think that's a good a good yes. inflection point to think about if you're starting a business on the side that's that's very wise you you and I both have some some ventures on the side that we're doing in addition to what we do here at Genwealth and that same line of thinking is is really just it's critical that that we look at that and go okay what if the business doesn't do what I want it to do or expect it to do then what impact does that have on on my family uh, financially and and that comes back to a conversation about risk. Um, I, I think that most good entrepreneurs have to be careful, have to be comfortable rather, with some degree of risk. If you are not comfortable with some degree of risk, then you're not cut out to be a business owner because even paying the utility bill and that being your sole responsibility. Now that's a that's a minor thing. But it's just, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at lights in my face all over the place, so it's what came to mind. But the list is long of the responsibilities that you, frankly, singularly carry as a business owner. And uh, the other thing that I, would, that I would caution you about is if you're going into business with somebody, you darn well better know that person well and be sure that you are as comfortable with them as as you would be in a marriage type of relationship because this is till retirement do us do us part you know and that's a long time and so you've got to know that you know I can count on this person when things are tough because those times are going to come um Scott you've heard us talk about this but John and I refer to each other periodically as as foxhole buddies you know because right. because man as business owners we have been through some crap together and there's been a lot of good times, too. I don't want to discourage you from that, but I do want you to know that you it's important who you're doing this with. I, I think that that is as important and sometimes even more important than what you are doing. Because mm-hmm. if, the, if the match is wrong, then undoing that is very difficult and it's going to scar you. Yeah. And when it comes to those capital expenditures to get things off the ground, where are you going to get the money to do that? 
can you start this without dipping into current retirement savings? That'd be another one I would mm-hmm, say too, because mm-hmm. you don't want to raid your, well, you have saved for a couple of reasons, taxes, penalties potentially there, and putting yourself behind and getting off track. We have one a client I think about who retired from a career and did start a business, but he made a plan first to show him if he took X amount out of what he had saved for retirement, what would that do to his income in the future from his assets, regardless of the, what the what happens with the business? Mm-hmm. So it's always good to work through those points as well and, and make a plan. And then uh, the last part of Adrian's question was, how can I still be sure I'm making progress with my retirement savings as well? So we talked about not rating it, Janet, but there are some options too as a business owner to continue to put money back. Yeah, I'll tell you what we have in place at at GenWealth currently for our retirement plan is called a simple IRA. And a lot of times the term IRA throws people off because they don't think it's a corporate plan. It sounds like it's it's for an individual, something you would do outside of work. But it is what we would just loosely refer to as as a small business 401k replacement. Um, Most businesses that are below 100 people, they don't have a need to have a 401k. There's a lot of expenses that are involved in that that you just simply don't have to have at this point. Um, but the doing the simple as opposed to maybe a SEP, it really depends on like how many people are you talking about, how many people are going to be in your business. So I would encourage you, I'm going to actually make this my final thought because it, it applies really for everybody that we've talked to in this scenario here. Um, I would encourage you to seek wise counsel. And by that, I don't just mean financial advisors, but in this case, um, we're talking about with Adrian wanting to start a business. Um, I'll tell you, one of the best things that I have ever invested in has been coaching. And uh, my business partner and I have done that for the entire 18 years. In fact, it's even the reason that we started this business. It was a result of coaching that we were getting before we formed the business. And so I, that we would not be anywhere near where we are today in the absence of personalized coaching. So I would encourage you to to seek out somebody who can coach and guide you through the steps that are in front of you. And then also um, the financial coaching, I think, is just a a critical, critical factor for you. I'm going to finish up with my final thought back on the economy where we started. We told you about this earlier in the show. If you ask yourself, what's up with the economy? Are we going into recession? Are we not? Is the Fed going to raise interest rates again? Or are are they done with that? If you want some of those questions answered, join us for an evening with Dr. Jeffrey Roach. He is the chief economist for LPL Financial, and he is coming to Little Rock to the Chanel event venue on Tuesday, August 22nd at 6.30. And the event is free. You can join us, bring your questions. We're also going to be recording the Get Ready for the Future show at uh, the venue. Seating is limited, so you need to register. If you want to reserve your seat, you can do it one of a couple of ways. You can call. 866-653-PLAN. That's 866-653-7526. Or go to our website, visit getreadyforthefuture.com forward slash economy to reserve your seats for What's Up With The Economy and Evening with Jeffrey Roach. And that is all the time we have for this week's Get Ready For The Future show. Thanks again for your questions. If you have one for next week's show, call or text them to us, 501-381-5228. Maybe we'll get your question answered on the air. Talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to the Get Ready for the Future show. If you enjoy hearing from the Gen Wealth team every week, make sure and subscribe to the podcast. And if you want to help us get the word out on building toward financial independence, share the podcast with your friends and family. 
The Gen Wealth Financial Team is available to you 24-7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 866-653-PLAN. That's 866-653-7526. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment and no strategy can assure success. Securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Independent Advisor Alliance. Independent Advisor Alliance and GenWealth Financial Advisors are separate entities from LPL Financial.